0: Welcome to AO On Air. This is a podcast from ActiveOps, allowing us to present you topics ranging from operations management, leadership, technology, and new innovations. Check out all our episodes on YouTube channel AOTV or with your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple or Spotify. Now let's begin.
1: Hello, and welcome to AO on Air. My name is Michael Cups, and this is a podcast sponsored by ActiveOps. I'm excited about the topic today. We're going to talk about well-being, and in particular, employee well-being. We have two experts to join us today, uh, Stuart Pugh, who is a chief customer officer at ActiveOps, and Spencer O'Leary, who is the CEO of ActiveOps North America. Uh, why don't we start with you, Spencer, because many people have already seen you on AO AOTV in, in some cases, but others may not have. So maybe a brief introduction of yourself?
0: Sure. Thanks, Michael. So Spencer O'Leary, uh, I'm the CEO of ActiveOps uh, North America. I've been working with our customers right across the US and Canada for the last couple of years, really helping them uh, embrace our technology and helping them manage through the pandemic. And then this topic today of, of employee well-being, a change that we've seen in the market.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us again. It's good to see you in the studio as well. Stuart, let's go over to you. Uh, people may not have, have met you yet on, on one of these podcasts. So great to have you here and great to have you join us and maybe a quick introduction.
2: Yes, thank you. They don't let me out much, but it's great to, to be here and uh, join with you on this topic. So I'm a Chief Customer Officer for ActiveOps. I so look after our product and customer success functions. Um, it's really my second career. Um, I had 25 years in banking operations, uh, first for HSBC and then eight years running operations for a bank in Middle East. And in that time became a customer of ActiveOps. And that's what's led me to be here. I've been working with ActiveOps for around six years.
1: Excellent. Well, great to have you and great to have that experience both as, as your background before ActiveOps and particularly as your experience with ActiveOps, knowing that you've talked to a lot of customers about the, the challenges they face. So welcome aboard. So today on the on the broadcast here, we're going to talk about employee well-being. It's something that keeps popping up in the press. It's, it's something that you hear about burnout. You hear about attrition all of these uh, descriptors that are being described when you read articles about where people are gonna work and how they're working and and are they doing well. So we wanna spend the next 20 minutes really getting some expert view on uh, what the problem is and where to go from here. So Spencer, I'm gonna start with you. It, it just seems like, um, you know, the sentiment between the managers, employees is, is growing differently. It's it's maybe it's the pandemic that you mentioned earlier that's causing this kind of strange uh, relationship.
0: But maybe start by just describing the problem that employers are facing. Well, I think a lot of employers, Michael, have seen quite a difference through the pandemic. Introduced really because people have started working remotely, whether that be from home or, or a coffee shop. But they're certainly not going to the office every day. And we found a, a change in sort of the back end of the pandemic where performance of an individual has generally centered around the, the sort of inputs and outputs of their day. How many hours do they work and, and how much work do they output? And that's generally dictated the performance of the individual, the performance of a team, a performance of a business. And the effect that an employee's well-being is now having on their performance has increased as managers have had to manage remotely. So a lot of businesses I talk to, large and small, uh, talking to senior operations leaders, is the real relevance and significance of well-being and more so poor well-being that it's having on the business's performance is becoming real and it's becoming significant and it's starting to manifest in real cost for a business so poor well-being equals heightened workplace stress and businesses start to see and can measure the impact of that workplace stress through increased sickness, increased absenteeism, even increased attrition. So senior leaders are really starting to take performance has been this balance between production, we'd probably measure it in words like efficiency or productivity or utilization, but it normally has a a measured percentage mark against it. But they're balancing that now with this idea of well-being and managing and hopefully reducing workplace stress. And I'm talking to a lot of leaders who are telling me that the latter of those two metrics the, the real cost to business of sickness, absenteeism, attrition caused by workplace stress is starting to be more important and more relevant than the cost of underperformance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I want
0: to get back to that topic in just a minute, but I
1: want to turn to Stuart. Stuart, I, I mean, is well-being metrics, as uh, Spencer mentioned, uh, is it just business as usual or is this a new phenomenon?
2: I think it's a, it's a real hot topic with our customers at the moment, I, I... Agree totally with with Spencer. I think there's a number of forces driving this. So through COVID, um, many people have re-evaluated their relationship with work, and and what they used to do as as normal before is now considered um, unacceptable two years later. Um, secondly, um, maybe it's because I'm personally entering the dinosaur phase of my uh, working life that expectations from the younger generations are are different and what they're seeking from an employer has has changed and how they evaluate an employer as a place to work is is changing as well. And all this is happening at the same time uh, where in many markets there is a real shortage of of labour and we're seeing the great resignation as a real phenomenon, certainly in EMEA and North America. So, as as someone who attempts to lead people myself, I'm finding this both, um, you know, personally very challenging. It's causing me to reevaluate and rethink many of the things that I held to be true in the past, but also tremendously uplifting.
1: Yeah. So, so that's it's interesting, Stuart. And and so let's. I mean, just going back to kind of the basics of the problem. Maybe this is a, a generational thing from where our managers were trained. But I mean, we hire employees to to have an output. So, so kind of, what's the big deal? Is it really the responsibility of the employer at this point? I mean, we we, we you know, like I said, we hire for outputs. Is that uh, is that changing, or is this part of the
2: output now? Yeah, I I think it's a big deal for for two reasons. Um, the first is really about the society and um, what we want to be as people. Um, so there's been a temptation in business to think, well, the, the golden rule, treat others as you would want to be treated yourself, doesn't apply when you're paying people to, to do work. Because I pay you, I can treat you as I want to treat you but there's a growing acceptance that the quality of our life is really determined by the relationships we have. Um, Yet to wander through a graveyard and see chiselled on a a gravestone, here lies Fred, he maximised total shareholder return. Um, So it seems to me very healthy for society that we turn our workplaces into environments in which quality of life is enhanced. And even if you don't buy that as an argument, I think the second reason, and that's one we can talk, you know, much more firmly around is is the business case for doing that. Um, So from just a hard-nosed business perspective, that better working environment increases performance. So we imagine what's determining the performance of your people. Well, it's sure it's their aptitude, do they have the skills to do the job? It's their willingness, do they want to do their job? Uh, the opportunity that you give them, do they have to chance to perform at the best? But there's also a fourth factor. Um, it's their health. Right? Are they well enough in mind and body to be able to perform at their best? And that's a factor that we haven't fully appreciated. And I think that's more coming to the fore.
1: Yeah, and so Spencer, I want to turn to you because you, had, uh, you and I were talking recently and you had mentioned that you've met with several senior executives of banks and around the country or Canada, I forget the location, but where they were actually saying that this kind of wellness thing is, is actually tipping above the productivity level as an important uh, strategic
0: objective at a board level. Yeah, and if we think about those those two factors of performance, so p- production, output, and, and then well-being, what those leaders are telling me is that there's a, there's a cost impact for sure, of having poor well-being and the things it drives. If I've got an increased level of absenteeism, if I've got an increased level of attrition, that means I've got off offboard and onboard more people, I've got ramp time to train in, it means the production in my business is going to be less as those people learn these new jobs. So that not only increases cost, it also hugely increases risk. And if I'm at some sort of governed business and I've got service levels to meet, um, the level of risk, my risk appetite in the business, all of these factors are starting to increase that. So my my risk of failure, my risk of missing a service level, my risk of missing the government's practice that I've put in place is hugely increased if I've got an increased level of either leavers and joiners, or I've just got an increased level of uh, of absenteeism. So it's starting to have those really important two aspects. It has a real cost implication to the business but it all also has an increased level of risk for the business so anything i can do to mitigate one or better still both of those things um, by having uh, a better understanding of my employees well-being that's that's a really important thing yeah, excellent. So, so one step deeper on kind of the problem, Stuart. I'm curious because
1: you hear about Slack and you hear about Zoom and you hear about getting Wi-Fi, faster Wi-Fi to everybody. Uh, so isn't that solving the problem? Just, uh, just those kind of collaboration productivity apps?
2: Um, no, I don't think it is. Uh, if we put ourselves in the shoes of people working in service operations, then the effect of technology on them is to um, make their jobs more complex. Uh, Routine transactional work is automated, and what they're left with is the hard, gnarly, difficult things that don't fit into the standard process. And resolving those requires a lot of interaction um, with team members that are also very busy. Um, Whilst Zoom and Teams are great, they're not as great as meeting someone face-to-face. It's what we're built to do as, as humans. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and the uh, is there something about the distractions? I mean, it seems like at least for me, my days I'm flipping between a video call and back to Excel and back to Word, and then you know maybe over to the Google to to do some research. I mean, it just I'm flipping around from everything.
2: It seems like. I think that's that's very true. If, uh, you imagine those nostalgic old, old days where you know, your work arrived in one place in an in-tray, and now it's in hundreds of different places uh, for you to, to manage. Yep. Uh, and you're cooperating and helping colleagues out at the same time you're doing your own, uh, own job. So yes, I think the demands are, are higher. Yeah,
1: that's yeah, interesting. I, I, I read a stat from, I think, Cornell University that said six in ten people say it's hard to know what their colleagues are doing, so they don't want to interrupt them or they don't know when they, the appropriate time is to talk to their manager, et cetera. So I, I think it's just a new challenge. So, so Stuart, now let's take that same problem with uh, distractions or just the complex work. Uh, can you describe what the difference is for, for a bank or an insurance company that employs thousands of people versus a, maybe an accounting firm that employs 15
2: yeah, so imagine how difficult it is uh, to understand where just those 15 people are, how they're doing, how they're feeling, whether they're motivated, bored, anxious. That's a tough challenge. Now, you as you go further and further up the management layers, to understand how your whole population is doing, you have to rely on... Um, on the management layers beneath you. Um, but that's harder because their own job is harder because of the remoteness and the hybrid working elements that are now in the mix. So I think the question is, is really about what are you doing as a leader of thousands of people to help your own leaders to help their people?
1: Yeah. So, so, Spencer, let's 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 start. It's obviously, a problem. Wellness is is an important factor for all the reasons you and Stuart outlined. Um, where does an operations leader go to start? I mean, what's the
0: first step? Well, the first step for us is really taking a step back and thinking about the fact wellness and employee wellness has been something that's been important for a long time, and most businesses, large and small, today would have some sort of um, measurement in place. I, I kind of think about it as a. Uh, their, their lag metrics um, because most employers do some sort of staff satisfaction survey, staff engagement survey they try and take a temperature of how, how the workforce, how each employee is thinking, how they're feeling uh, and try and improve that employee experience and the level of engagement but generally they're all, they're all lag metrics they're, they're, they're telling me something that has happened in the past and even those employers that do this really well, they maybe do that once a quarter or a half year or for most employees probably once a year So that temperature check is definitely looking backwards and it's telling me how things were and if i'm already down or i already have an employee that's down some sort of poorer well-being track and there's some workplace stress that's starting to have implications of performance and increased risk that we talked about and i'm I'm now in fixed mode i've got to cure something that's already happened or already started so one of the things i'd I'd urge every manager today to do is is come and talk to ActiveOps. look at the way that we are trying to turn Those lead metrics into, sorry, lag metrics into lead metrics, and start to show where, rather than looking in the past, looking in the future and saying when things are starting to change for an employee. There's ways in which people work that mean there are comparables we can make. Not, not maybe you to me, but I can compare you to you last week or you to you last month or, or last quarter. And if I'm seeing a change in the way that you're. You're working if i'm seeing a change in the way that as you mentioned flipping between those applications but yeah. that that's significantly changed it gives those leaders a an early indicator an early sign that something in michael's life has changed right it's not going to fix it but it might start to prevent something that's going to happen in the future so i definitely encourage people to think about that difference between just because you've got really good lag metrics of the yeah. past Trying to cure somebody, something that's already well down the, po- the path of poor well-being, that's, that's really hard. If, yeah. you can, if you can intervene early, if you can have the right conversations with your employees early, think about those lead metrics. You can maybe stop some of those poor well-being, those workplace yeah. stress incidents happening or getting out of control.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I rarely go to the doctor and say, I had a fever two weeks ago and I didn't feel good and, and allow the doctor to have a chance at telling me what was wrong, right? So Yeah, and we,
0: we all think about that, you know, the, the, those famous sayings of prevention is better than a cure. Sure. So it's just very much going down that path and making sure that the the, the data you're looking at, whether it's production data or well-being data, the yeah. two merge together to give good performance. Let's make sure we've, we've got foresight in the future of what that looks like and we can prevent some of the horrible things uh, that start with some very easy to recognize differences in the workplace. They start to equal, increase workplace stress, that's poor well-being, and then the whole sort of mental agenda that that follows is a, is a really complex, yep. difficult, and quite a sad place at times. So I think as employees, yep. if we can get in front of that, we can do our bit to yep. help our employees have a better and more engaged experience. It can really help prevent some of those future things.
1: Yeah, yeah, so Stuart, uh, Spencer mentioned a couple of things there that I think are interesting. One is, it's just getting the data, which which isn't always easy, so that's probably step one uh, step two is probably having the management foresight or 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 knowing what to do with those metrics when you have them uh, so maybe you could share a little bit about your experience in, in in both of those problems or or opportunities, maybe I should say
2: yeah, so I think for me, this is all about um, op- operations leaders having better conversations with that people. And those better conversations start with insights, clues as to what to talk about and explore with your team members. So data is a good starting point, but actually it's not enough in itself. You need to build on that with capability that turns that data into really powerful insights. You then need to have team leaders with time to use those insights to have good conversations and also the skills to have those good conversations based on the insights. So I think that's complete package and within ActiveOps, that's really very much what we try and do to to, uh, help you with this issue by providing those insights and skills and the process that enables these good conversations to happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so, uh, we talked a little bit about steps, you know, certainly checking out ActiveOps is one, one thing. Um, I'm curious with you and Stuart both on the line and I'm heart- sorry to put you on the spot like this. It wouldn't, uh, you know, is, do you have some examples of where, you know, an early intervention or, a, or a, um, a management practice spotted something that, that was able to kind of turn a behavior, uh, or a potential, uh, bad symptom into
0: a solution? Yeah, and, and I have uh, many examples uh, that, that senior ops leaders and team leaders and team managers, you know, that first line of management have shared with me. Um, w- one of the interesting stories I heard was where um, a well-being issue was, was completely outside work. It was something that someone was experiencing in their personal life. Um, and generally speaking, if a team leader, a team manager was in the office every day and they were interacting with a person sat maybe they walk past their booth two or three times a day and met at the water cooler or the coffee machine they'd kind of sense with their with their ears and their eyes that something had changed and they'd have a conversation and a team leader in a a Canadian bank shared with me that they'd they'd had the same sense that something had changed the same sense that something wasn't quite right but they'd seen that in data they'd seen it in data that we'd recorded and it was data that really showed that something had changed in the working behavior of that individual. There were no answers in the data. There were a few insights, like Stuart said. But what it enabled was that team leader to spot something that had changed, go and have a conversation with an employee about was everything okay. They used some of their their interpersonal skills to, to have that good conversation. The employee shared with them that it was something that was going on at home. The employer, the team leader was able to give them a little more flexibility in their working day to accommodate some of that challenge. And suddenly we'd got an employee and an employer win-win. The employer was able to to maintain production, to reduce operational risk, and to give the employee time to to have some space and work through those challenges that they were facing at home. So they managed to prevent rather than cure. They engaged early. As Stuart said, it was about the data. It was about the insight that ActiveOps could provide around that data, but it was also about training and coaching that team leader so they knew what conversation to have about the facts presented in front of them. That wasn't the answer. The answer was that someone was going through something yeah. unpleasant at home, but it really enabled the employee to have the right conversation, that team leader to have the right discussion and uh, and improve the situation.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting, uh, Stuart. I, I'm, I'm guessing... Um, most of our managers of today grew up thinking and managing to a productivity sheet or, you know, production report, et cetera. I mean, if, if you were talking to those frontline managers or second line managers, where, where would you tell them to kind of start on this journey to, to have this broader perspective?
2: So I, I think um, leading service operations has always been a balanced scorecard so sure you know efficiency is one part of that um, as is delivering on your service promises to your customers as is managing your risk but also people has always been a part of that balance scorecard because you know the it's the people that deliver the rest so uh, the rest of it so i think what's changed now is both the additional challenge of managing remote teams, doing more complex tasks, but also the provision of insight that's helping you have those better conversations. So, um, you know, my my example um, to share with you is from a healthcare insurer, and there the team leader spotted that um, one of their top performers' um, performance was deteriorating. Um, but they were able to understand what was behind that. And it was that the performer, the top performer, was spending a lot of their time helping other staff members who had naturally Mm -hmm. gravitated to this expert um, to ask them questions. And that led to a really profound discussion with the individual, um, not just about how can can we help free your time, but more about what they wanted to do in the future. And uh, this person's natural career progression was, was into training and coaching.
1: Oh, that's a great example that, because that's taking. It wasn't necessarily a, a well being issue, but it was it was affecting their productivity because they were actually lending a hand across a broader group that needed training. That's a that's a great example, Stuart. Thank you. So, uh, Stuart I, I, or Spencer, I, I, it's it's rare that we have two or two more than one
0: person on these podcasts. So, do you have any questions for Stuart Spencer? Yeah, I'd be keen to understand, Stuart. I know uh, a lot of our customers give us feedback uh, on our insight. That we provide through our software platform so what are some of the things that are coming up that just extend uh the well-being insight that we give to some of our customers
2: yeah we're doing some uh, great work in partnership with henley business school which is one of the uk's leading business school and here we're we're trying to um capture things that are highly predictive of future um employee experience issues Um, so really looking at the 15 years of data that we have from customers across the globe and trying to identify those nuggets of information they're going to be the most powerful things we we can use to equip um, operations leaders um, to have those great conversations
1: that's interesting yeah so so that leads you into actually the experience will lead to better outcomes in the future so it's yeah there's
0: a really interesting uh, podcast that you recently did michael with uh, with td bank mm. um, after a, a talk uh, that one of our customers melissa gave at the swpp yep. conference and she very much described uh, our work iq product which is where our data comes uh, from to produce some well-being reports or the basic well-being reports uh, and she talked about this idea of of, mm. of smoke and fire yep. so it's the idea that the the data inside work iq the insight is very much the it's, it's the smoke. It's the, it's the early signs that something's changed and something's wrong. And as Stuart says, with all the data we've got from organisations globally for, for years and years, helping people understand that we can we can sort of show them the smoke yeah. and then they can delve inside the data for that individual or look at those particular insights and hopefully find the fire and put it out. But for those who haven't watched it, I think it's a really interesting podcast that you yeah. did with Melissa and it really gives that um, that sense of how do you manage... Production and well-being, and how do you do that really well, even when people are working remotely? Yeah, yeah, she was a
1: fun guest, but it was really interesting that they how they were kind of holistically addressing uh, the the issues across that workforce management team. It's interesting. Well, so so excellent. So uh, you know, it is Mental Health Awareness Month. I think in in the U.S. I'm not sure about the UK, Stuart, but it is in the U.S. So. Uh, just uh, uh, urging our uh, people that are watching, organizations that we work with, to, to you know, to seek guidance and help. You can always find more at, at com. We have some use cases out there. We also have a resource hub that has some more resources. Uh, but if somebody wanted to pick up a conversation directly with you, Stuart, or with you, Spencer, I'm guessing LinkedIn is the best source. But is there any anything else you want to add as we kind of wrap this up?
2: It's... Um... It's great for us to have conversations with people. We're really um, thinking about this heavily and insights from uh, anyone greatly appreciated.
0: Yeah,
1: excellent. Thank you fo- so much for your
0: time, Stuart. Anything, any final uh, thoughts? Uh, for me, Michael, is um, the customers that I've been speaking to that think uh, that uh, employee well-being uh, as an extension of their sort of employee engagement agenda. Um, historically, this was something that was a it was a problem for HR It was maybe a problem for learning and development. Uh, This is a real business problem with real cost and real risk. And it's happening in all of our businesses, and and it really is happening right here, right now. So uh, not only can you come and speak to us, you can find Stuart or I on LinkedIn or on our website, but also our customers, uh, they're they're taking this subject very passionately. it's It's about people. It's about humans. It's about those employees in their workforce who really are the ones that are driving the right customer outcomes so i think any of our customers would also be willing to speak to any listeners uh, today they can share their use cases either with us or without us this isn't something that's sort of uh, alone in the industry whether you're in banking healthcare insurance this is something that's agnostic to vertical yep. it's agnostic to geography it's happening in every business everywhere over the world yeah, it's a human problem. So, Absolutely.
1: Yeah, so excellent. So as, as uh, Stuart and, and Spencer mentioned, you can find them on LinkedIn. You can also go to activeops.com. You can fill out a f- uh, contact us form to talk to an expert. We'll put you in touch with the with either Stuart or, or Spencer or one of our other associates that can lead you down the, the, the questions you may have. Uh, you can also find more uh, topics. As, as Spencer mentioned, we have a podcast with TD Bank that is enlightening from a customer perspective. Uh, Santos Joy, one of our own, did a session about operationalizing wellness So you have a couple of options there, and we're happy to point you in the right direction. Thanks so much for sitting in and listening. Stay tuned for the next version of AOTV, and thanks so much.
3: At ActiveOps, we call it Management Process Automation, or MPA. MPA helps managers make better decisions by providing a consistent, easy-to-understand view of capacity and productivity. MPA does the hard work of consolidating information, forecasting and planning, and even gives you visibility of skills and capabilities across your enterprise. Your managers can make decisions based on a complete picture of their operations and then get back to leading. As work progresses, MPA helps managers spot problems early and deal with them proactively, celebrate successes properly, and match resource to workload in real time. By making managers more effective, MPA reduces operational costs. Best of all, the right MPA tools make it possible to deliver all these benefits across global enterprises with thousands of employees. Solutions like Workwear Plus from ActiveOps, Workwear Plus builds on our 20 years of experience supporting service operations to give you a 360-degree view of your operations, helping you turn operations management from a guessing game into a game-changing source of efficiency and value. Employees are empowered to manage their days and weeks feeling accomplished, confident and able to balance work and personal life. Wherever your organisation or customers live and work, ActiveOps is ready to help you deliver world-class service and employee engagement to help your company thrive. ActiveOps, see further, know more, move faster.